Hey everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for... Let's keep on swimming, keep on swimming, keep on swimming, unspun! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go jump in the lake. I think there are some people at the park board that would like me to just go jump in a lake, and I will. And I'm gonna enjoy it because I can here at this lake. But I can't go and enjoy a couple of spots in Vancouver because what I mean, I believe, has been a really inept managing of our park park system. Let's get into it, George. Oh boy, leadership matters, Jody. Leadership matters. Uh... You know, I think uh, we'll get into my holiday in a bit, but uh, I came back and I was just a bit bored on Sunday and I saw this stuff about the water park being closed in uh, at Lumberman's Arch in, in, uh, in uh, Stanley, Stanley park. park. And I was like, oh, God, are you kidding me? And there's some pictures like well, there was no warning. I, I'm a parent. I got kids. We go to these, you know, my younger kid, he's 14 now, but still these water parks are important for Vancouver downtown residents, especially. And so I kind of tweeted that I'd heard that a couple had been closed. I said, I, I heard the park board decided to close water parks for environmental reasons or something. And oh man, it went off. It went off. And uh, it was- a Can I just, can I just, Yeah. I want to point out that you were an integral part of, not to bury the lead, these water parks, this particular splash pad being uh, reopened this week. Um, and I'd like to congratulate you on the on the work you're doing at no charge on behalf of City Hall. Like, where are the people? Right. This reminds me of Hot Dog Gate. And for those who don't remember, I was at my son's Little League game at Carnarvon Park, where there's a beautiful concession stand that you could literally eat off the floor in. And for some reason, you're only allowed to sell hot dogs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'm like, so it's 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 fine on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but it's it's too dirty on the rest of the week or what? Like, what's going on? Give me a damn hot dog. And it took a couple of park board officials showing up that day. I believe it was John Cooper and Sarah Kirby Young who showed up and then made it a thing. And, and then I found out that the, the um, permitting process for that little park, Carnarvon Park, was the same as the celebration of light. Like, it's so <laughs> ridiculous what's happening. So then you dig deeper on this splash pad. Sorry, you wound me up and I'm going off. But you you did all of this work that should have been done by the people who are elected to, to run the city. And, yeah. and, and there you are, you're getting it done. And what we find out, it's an environmental hazard. Meanwhile, cruise ships are going by using the bay as a toilet. Like it's unbelievable. It's being dumped into the, uh, in, you know, into the, into the, into that zone through the, through the, our storm, our storm sewer system. I mean, it's, yeah. it, and you know, yeah, there's a, there's a little, there's a little gas station on the water right there. It's like, come on, come on. It's chlorinated water. It's water because it's chlorinated. It's water. It's just, it's such a bunch of and john had actually put cooper had put a motion forward the week before and i saw so i test and what the hell he said oh nobody nobody picked it up i'm like and he had pulled it out he they didn't they deferred it to the next whatever council and what's that and nobody, what's that guy's name that loves this like come on what's the guy's name who i don't like to mention uh that guy yeah that guy that that loves the meadow yeah, he and grass. he doesn't like us to mention him either well, he came at you on Twitter in a way that I thought was just, it showed his character in a way that I just yeah. wanted to come at him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even giving you the time of day. The guy that like actively tries to undermine absolutely everything in the city of Vancouver. Luckily, he's only a one-term park board commissioner, but there are others on the park board who are running for city council. So make mm -hmm. note, make note people. Because we got to talk. for greener cope? 
don't vote for them as far as I'm concerned who are on that park board because they just uh it's devastating what they've done so there's that so we won so in the in that rant I was on all day Sunday uh, yeah for those people who don't believe Twitter can, you know is, is a useless platform uh or it's annoying it actually very it can be very effective you get conversations going media are watching it um, and so I think Mike, so our politicians, saw, he, he DM'd me yeah. and he said, what's going on with this? What's I'm in Victoria. What the heck is this? Uh, and so I told him and then he talked to John the next morning and then global picked it up. And by that point there was just like, and I put out, call this number if you want to complain about this. Uh, and you know, the next day the park board announces that they will be reopening that, uh, that pad, you know, but it's then it's, a, and, then, and then later that day they announced they're probably going to put some logs back. This is the other issue of park board is that they took, if you've been to Vancouver, you go to the beach, the logs are a very crucial part of our life. If you're a parent, they become the zones of protection for your, especially little kids. These logs yeah. are really, really crucial to how we experience the beach. And if you're old, as I get older, I like to lean against something. Or, <laughs> or use it to stand up for sure. I did the log story last Monday, last Tuesday, when I was filling in on the Mike Smith show, and we did yeah. it as the top story on the show, and we could have done an hour on it, and then we could have done another hour off the back end just on the buzzline callers and emails that I was getting. It was it was absolutely unbelievable. They're, they're, like, and the reasons for it though, George, right? So the reason, explain the reason behind fewer logs on the beach. First, it was COVID. We're going to give people more space to spread yeah. out among. Yeah, fine. So they moved those. And then yeah. they went into log jail. That was an international story, having the logs. Because yeah. you got to put a fence around these. People cannot be trusted mm -hmm. with logs. I don't even know what that is. And then <laughs> they put some back. And the reason for putting some back was? Well, they they really put none back at some point. But they, they, they're they arguing that it's safety, uh, that they can't police it properly because there's some troublesome issues happening. Needles, broken glass. I'm like, okay, sounds like downtown Vancouver to me in standard day. Uh, what is the problem? How is this different than it was two years ago? This has always been a problem. The beach broken as a parent who, and as anybody who goes to the beach, you always think there might be broken glass. Yes. We live with needles sucks, but we keep our eyes peeled for them. And you know, frankly, needles, I know it's a scary thing, but actually they, you know, they, they're not as dangerous if you get poked, it can be bad, but it's anyways, th their argument was, it's ironic because they were using safety and health as the main issues. And then they the beach, will sit there and, then it, and let the grass grow like crazy in these urban meadows where now if you walk, if I do my run in the morning, I look up in the hill, I see garbage, I see needles, I see broken glass in this mess of weeds and, and blackberry bushes that are taking over. Uh, uh, excuse me, what about the safety and uh, uh, you know all this other stuff that you're talking about with the logs? But meanwhile, up the hill, just like... I can reach, I can actually almost touch the logs, jail, and the grass. And uh, they're using the same different argument for the, it's like, what is going, this park board is, is insane. They're insane. They're insane. They're the, the, the leadership. I agree. Management, I, I don't get it. I don't get ding, it. Ding, and, ding, ding. Keep sense. going. Keep going. I got well, another I one. Got, they, they're worry, triggering though. me. Don't worry. Or Ken Sims going to get rid of the park board, right? Oh, wait, what? Huh? Oh, no. Hmm. They made a promise about a year ago, was it? Six months? Last fall, I think it was, when he announced his new party. Fall. And he has yeah. been silent since then. And he's got these candidates that were on park board running with him. Uh, silence. Silence. I mean, the the the, the flip-flopping on that one, that's the gold for anybody running against Ken Sim, because that is ridiculous. May, okay, change your mind, but let us know. But don't just avoid the subject. Everybody's asking. Everybody, I was, 
I mean, Jack, uh, Jack King, there's like tons of people saying, hello, what is going on? Are you, are you going to dismantle the park board? You've got people running for a park board. What are you doing? No answer. Yeah. Silence. It's yeah. just. Uh, deafening. It's deafening. ABC, a better city, ABC. That's Ken Sim, right? And Mike Klassen just announced, we're going to talk about that in a second, but before we move off of park board, I want to make note of, <laughs> I sent this to you and you're like, just for you. Because there's the survey that was put out about Stanley Park and how people access Stanley Park. And there's a public hearing about it that's coming up. We record on Thursday. I believe it's on Monday. Um, and I saw it move on Twitter. And I actually read the full report that was given to Park Board on the survey that I did fill out. And I've never seen such a leading, skewed survey ever in the history of survey. How much do you like bikes? Lots, a whole bunch, and a super ton. Those, I mean... <laughs> That's what it was. That's what. But then they have the little box at the bottom, and I'm like, I have five bikes in my garage, and however we don't, we don't use Stanley Park as we used to because it is being used as a velodrome by a handful of people. So anyway, um, the whole <laughs> conversation surrounding uh, that single lane and emergency vehicles not being able to access, and and how they've shown that most people who use the park and they're using data when when the data started to shrink in terms of who was visiting the park they broadened the window and they used it like these are how many cyclists and how many people came and walked in within a 10 kilometer radius guess what vancouver is not a 10 kilometer radius of stanley park there are people who whose tax dollars go into stanley park who love stanley park who want to use stanley park and can't afford it because there is like three hour parking what if i only want to go for 15 minutes what if I want to go for 15 minutes, go for a sandwich? Park, can you? You, you can, well, you can, but it's three hour minimum, well, right? So now ask expensive. the family, exactly. Now ask the family that's just looking for a place to go. They have no green space in their home and they're packing up the kids and they're going to drive down with their lawn chairs and their lunches because they can't afford the concession stand, which is now $17 for fish and chips. I mean, don't even get me started on how it's just not the affordable destination that it once was. As a low-income family, we were a low-to-middle-income Vancouver family in my childhood years. We would find a way to afford to do the things. And going to Stanley Park was one of those things that we would do. We'd go in my grandfather's Impala, and we'd have coffee crisps and some juicy fruit, and we'd go to the beach, and we'd splash in the water, and we'd get in our towels, and we'd get back in at the end of the day, and we'd drive back out. Like, that's how we did. My grandparents were never going to ride bikes to Stanley Park. I'm sorry. In the airy fairy, I wish the whole world were, were Amsterdam. It's not happening here. And when 300 days a year it rains, people should be able to drive their vehicles in and out of that park. I'm just so do, mad. You can have the best that. of both worlds. The park board, I, I agree. Your I agree. Shows you can't. I mean, I, I think that the, the lane that they've done on Beach Avenue, uh, that the city did, is quite good. Uh, you've got too Rip many out. traffic. People are getting no, killed the, there, George. No, no, no. The first part along by the, the aquatic center. And then after that, though, it's just chaos. It's like there's no there's no structure. There's no way of getting in and out of the parking lots. There's just like that's the part no I don't like. Lanes. There's no nothing. It's like that's what no bugs plan, me. No design, just random. And they, I'm sure they did not consult with the city of Vancouver, who has very, very uh, you know, competent engineering department. Yes. Uh, who paid paid to do paid it, paid to be experts. Sorry, I'm all fired up now. That Stanley Park thing just so, makes me so mad. And George, all of the other things that we've talked about, the logs, budget. The grass in the meadows, budget. The fact that we don't have lifeguards yeah. on beaches, budget. All of that budget comes back to Stanley Park 
not having $3 million a year in what they used to make in parking. Mm -hmm. Yep. So don't BS us on why you're doing this. You can't afford to just do tell it, us uh, because you've done, you've made a decision, a political decision, your board uh, that took away $3 million in revenue and from your operating and, uh, and well, by the way, park board, what have you done in 10, let's see, 11, 2000, when was the last community center built? Uh, well, there's a senior center built with a, in partnership with the city and the province. Uh, that was a community center was, uh, nothing's wasn't that built, Hill, Hillcrest? Uh, the city of Vancouver since Hillcrest. The yeah, Hillcrest yeah, is the last Hillcrest. community center built. It's pathetic. Yeah. It's pathetic. Look it's at pathetic. you look at other communities, what they're building, and we're doing nothing in Vancouver. And they have so much money set aside Port Coquitlam. in the Port Coquitlam. contributions by developers. Millions and in, in the last in my council, we took away, reallocated over a hundred million dollars from the park board that had been allocated through community amenity contributions by developers because the park board wasn't spending it. And we said, Well, you just we have to use move this money. You can't just sit it. So we moved it to other stuff, uh, mostly bike lanes. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's, they're just, it's just successive incompetence at that park board in every political party, pretty much, you know, it's, it's just terrible. So I will jump in on the really, bike lane, what you just said, fixing it. What's that? fixing it, fixing it. But you just mentioned bike lanes, like re reallocating it to bike lanes. There's some bike infrastructure that really, really works in the city. Like it really does. So when people want to say that you and I are hating on bikes and cyclists because of what we talk about in Stanley park. That's not the case. It's the sheer agenda at play here. And you were getting attacked by that guy uh, on Twitter as like you, because you said, we just want our kids to have places where they can feel joy and love and be safe, right? And somebody else chimes in and is like, take them to the beach. There's lots of water there instead of the splash park. It's like, no, that's not how Guess it works. You like, can't swim in the beaches today, Jody, because of E. coli, because e. coli. of the sewage that we pour into our water. Thank you, city of Vancouver. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Okay, let's move on because I want to talk. I want to stay with the city of Vancouver, but let's move uh -huh. to the crime piece of the puzzle because you you saw that article or, or the the story of the thirty year old woman um, who got jumped. Two blocks, two blocks from. Well, there was two that happened, right? There was the woman and the man, and then uh, there's more the kids and the one in Yaletown, right? There was a murder. Yeah, in Yale and there Town and oh, the murder in Yaletown, right? So there's that. But let's talk about Tenth and Alma for a second yep. because yep. I actually have some intel from that area through my network of moms, um, through all the school systems there, particularly the corner of 10th and Alma is a hotbed for petty crimes. And it's, what? it's, it's, yeah, there are kids, like teenagers, and, uh... exactly. They're at three o'clock in the afternoon, a 15 year old kid and his friend were jumped by a couple of other teens that were masked, carrying a weapon, knives, and held them up punched one in the face because he didn't give up his phone fast enough. And the other one had, I've, I've literally yeah. had the talk with my kid to say, if somebody comes at you for your phone, just give it to them. Nothing's yeah. worth it. Just give it to them. It one doesn't block matter. Away a year ago, that kid was killed, right? One block. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because though mm -hmm. the, the intel behind that interaction was drugs and gangs. And I'm not talking heroin. I'm talking pot. And I'm talking gangs like gangs in high school. And that has always happened. There's always been that. If you ask the teenagers behind me right now, they would tell you they know all about it. But snitches get stitches. Like literally, this is happening in our city. But that's what they talk about. They talk about they know exactly who's doing it. But they're where's the leadership? What, Kennedy Stewart keeps coming forward, going, "Hey, there's no crime in Vancouver. We're good. We're safe. Everybody feels safe. We don't feel safe, dude. We there's don't feel safe." On the downtown east side, in front of tents with uh, 
doing the West Coast uh, symbol, like uh, out of touch. He'll still win, though. <laughs> He's still going to win. Uh, Every time you say that, that, I throw up a little bit. I do. We can. Let's get into it. Because the crime well, is just. Okay. You mentioned Mike Klassen. Um, yeah. Good, have, guy. Uh, good guy. Good guy. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. He ran with me in 2011, lost by 700 votes. Uh, not, not, <laughs> I think he came in 11th. That's painful out of 10. Uh, so, you know, he's running with ABC. So here's some math on this for those people who, who don't understand politics in Vancouver. And for those who are listening who cross the province, Vancouver has political for me. parties. Tell me. Very, I don't yeah, understand why we have political role. parties, but go ahead. Yeah, we have political parties, just just historical. That's why we just do. It's just, and it's always going to be like that. And they're effective because you can raise money and be you know focused. And so in this, uh, we have, um, uh, it's, it's hard for an independent to, to win. Our mayor was uh, an independent and he won. He won because the vote on the right-hand side of the spectrum, the political spectrum was, was split. Um, so the the race for council members we talk about council and i think this is happening in a lot of places a lot of people want to run that gets yep. really confusing when you have political parties though you choose it makes it a bit easier because you'll just choose a slater um but you know i have in in my experience in politics there is a very simple math equation uh for okay. running because there are, we have 10 seats in vancouver and this is unusual and because we don't have the ward system which i do not support um, and neither are just many people like Larry Beasley. It just doesn't work. It becomes a ghettoizing neighborhoods. People get too much influence with an individual. You're you're only folk, you're not focused on the city as a whole. If anything, we should be expanding when you think about Vancouver as a region as opposed to a city. So right. the it's you know, it's in when you have ten people, ten council members in the in the case of Vancouver, you have multiple political parties. So what happens? People want to vote, they'll vote for a political party, but they're not gonna vote all 10 seats they people want to kind of do oh you know like gene swanson cope very an activist a lot of people on all sorts of political stripes voted for gene swanson because that, well you know what and harry rankin historically way back same kind of thing it's good to have that kind of voice on council and so i'm gonna go i'm gonna give away one throwaway vote there and then say for example in the last election the green party also oh yeah green party yeah they're great which is good to have a couple of green party i'm gonna I give me i'm gonna give them a couple of votes so you now you got like maybe two to four three to four votes you kind of want to you want to just do whatever you think then you'll give six to seven votes you're literally uh, doing my ballot party. from the last election by the way that's yeah, literally my six ballot to seven votes you'll give to your political party uh, but six is better i mean it's if you run seven candidates it's really hard that there's just historically there's so much math and proof and science on this that it, that that four is a much better weight than a seven because what happens is okay uh you're running seven uh but i only want to vote for six but it's not like all of those people are going to vote for the same six people so what happens is that seventh vote gets spread uh, all over the place so you lower the vote for all of the other candidates uh automatically instead of saying i get it you're it's watering it's watering it down right because if 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 everybody chooses yeah tighten it up because the odds of those five get all of those yeah get all all of those so so mike classing being announced for abc is very very good news for john cooper Uh, john's running six council um it doesn't mean john's gonna win as mayor i'm talking about council candidates but uh he's running six now Ken Sim, ABC is running seven. This is a very good thing for John because people will choose a party. Uh, it's very good for and council then, candidates. And then water it out. Yeah, that's right. So you you could look at a potential council 
where John wins all six council candidates. Maybe ABC, because he's got three incumbents there, wins all three of right. their, their count. Maybe, maybe. Right, maybe. And maybe Gene Swanson yeah. wins. And that, right. that, that is a potential scenario uh, because uh, on the council candidates, there's a ton and ton of left-wing people. So many uh, that there's, and there's really only, you know, there's, there's less weight on the, you know, on the right-hand side for council. And then you have the mayor. You've got John Cooper versus Ken Sim, Mark Marison, um, and uh, who I'm Colleen, Colleen, Colleen Hardwick. Hardwick. Yeah. The yeah. Um, and so Colleen and Mark, really, because he comes from the BC Liberals, he's going to have that on his weight around his neck. So he's considered right-wing. Colleen's right-wing. John's right-wing. Ken's right-wing. Over here on the left, good old Kenny Stewart. All by himself. So what's probably going to happen is a mushy middle, unless John or Ken or one of those guys can, and you know anybody, Mark maybe could, but that's bad for, for Kennedy, but not bad for anybody else. Uh, you're going to end up with Ken's, Kennedy Stewart winning again because of that split vote. And you hear stories about Colleen Hardwick's campaigns having a lot of trouble. She lost the president of her board. She's losing people. I've heard she said fundraising potential issues, you know, because she's not, she's sort of anti-development. So developers not going to give her money. Um, uh, so, and businesses are kind of like, mm, you seem like you're anti-business. So uh, it's going to be hard for her to get people to give her cash. Um, and Ke Kennedy Stewart's got lots of money. He's been raising money for a while. I don't know where John, he's been using. Uh, he's been using the mayor's office as his yes, campaign headquarters. Like, let's be, let's be real. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He, yeah. And, and, you know, Gregor did that too. He bad, did. He oh, did. no, I'm not saying I'm not saying yeah. he's unique. I'm so exhausted. And this is the quintessential unspun statement as far as I'm concerned as somebody who has never worked, never been in public office, have never been a politician, is how incredibly normalized it has become for the second you're elected for your campaign for re-election beginning, as opposed to doing absolutely anything to, to help the taxpayer at any level. And we can talk, we can move to federal. Let's move to federal actually. Cause I could, I could bitch about the current state well, of the city of Vancouver. For, got, for know, sure. We got the premier and yeah, the federal. Yeah. Let's go, let's start provincial and then we'll go federal. Um, well, cause they tie into one another with John Horgan uh, having his last meeting okay. as the, as the leader of the premiers. I remember last year when they were having their lovely, uh, Justin Trudeau, prime minister Trudeau oh, and, and John Horgan, yo. they had the, they had the white spot like lunch it felt like really, really real. Beer. No. Yeah. But let's talk because no, you and I haven't had the you, you and I haven't had the opportunity to sort of talk through what's been happening with John Horgan saying that he is not going to run for re-election. Obviously, stepping away from politics. No one's surprised really by that, as he was sort of the the unlikely premier in the first place. He he didn't really want to run for premier, which and he gets to exit exit with a higher um, approval rating than he started, which is super rare as well. But when he stepped down, did you did you see the press briefing when he said he was stepping away? No, and he no. he said, right. So we'll we'll get into where you were going and why because there's a traveling update for those who think yeah. they've avoided ran, random testing. You haven't. Um, but while he was saying, you know, maybe there's time, there's room for a more diverse, younger leader, you know, somebody who's more reflective of the community. Like he's he put in a couple of real um, interesting words that that almost felt mm -hmm. like he was pointing toward people who hadn't said that they might obviously run because he was announcing that he wasn't going to. And then we had Ravi Kalon step forward not long after and announce that he was not running and endorse uh, David Eby, who has not even announced that he has plans to run. But 
this watching all these dominoes i'm like oh i'd like to be a fly on the wall behind this can you unspin what what we're watching here this is kind of it's a little bit what i predicted um is happening in real time <clears throat> although i thought i thought that he would stick around and call a snap election early and then bail right after that so he could have give that four four years to that new leader to build up them, themselves for the next time to take on, uh, you know, Kevin Falcon and really, and then, and for, you know, NDP to kill Kevin Falcon would be a good thing uh, for them as well. But they just, obviously Horgan, you know, I've been in politics. It's, it's, it takes its toll, even with, even if you're not fighting cancer, it's not, it's exhausting. I mean, I can totally see, you know, when I, I want to live my best life, uh, you know, he's in his sixties. pushing. 70s. You look younger I'm, now than when you were on council. You do. <laughs> So great. I think it's working with me. I think that you work with me makes you younger. <laughs> it brings it up again. Anyway, so they, 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 they <laughs> this is the, this is the reason why though. You can see now that there's one, they're anointing David Eby. I mean, it's, it, it, nobody else is even like raising their, there's just nobody who wants the job. No. Which is really, really bad in politics. That's really bad for the NDP to not have a, a you know, a sort of a campaign that, because he was, he's a, he's a gives he's options. A he almost lost his riding for God's sakes. He he didn't he, he only lost beat by you know won by a couple thousand votes in that riding. That's where Christy Clark, when she ran for premier, lost and had to rerun. Up in I remember Kelowna, the same riding. You're riding. It's think, my it? it's my riding. Yeah, weird riding. It's a super weird riding. Uh, goes left super weird. Right, you know, champagne socialists and all that kind of stuff. So mushy they, uh, middle. Mushy, mushy middle. A lot of federal liberals who swing in all over the place on their vote. Go talk so, about the federal yeah, liberals. I, I just think Kevin Falk and, and the liberals are just sitting there going, awesome. This is great. Because yeah. EB is very, very vulnerable and good news for the liberals, I would say. Because he's very left wing. Uh, he's done, you could argue, his, you know, ICBC, you just heard. They, all that stuff they've, they changed, is, they have to reverse it. The, the court decision saying, no, you can't. You, you can't cap it. Yeah. Okay. Somebody can, can sue so for lifelong there damages the when they're, there when they're, the yeah. Yeah. And then, so, but I want to point out with, with EB, he is human rights guy. He is, he is, I mean, his files have been pretty significant under John Horgan and the, being somebody who is in his writing and I've not always voted for him. I'll put it that way. Like I don't talk about how I voted and I, I have, I have not, I'm the mushy middle. I, I, my vote is up for grabs for somebody who's going to fix what's broken in the city. And if the city doesn't fix it, then I hope the province steps in. That's how my mind works. But watching right. him, watching him evolve, cause he's a, he's a very tall man and, and his office is, is sort of central to our neighborhood and you see him there. And before he, you know, rose to the office he is in currently, you would see him in his office. You used to be able before people would like attack politicians, which I think is just disgusting. Um, you would be able to walk into his office and actually find him there and talk to him, which I think yeah. is is admirable. Yeah, guy. Because, because exactly, but there are many politicians today, and I won't name names, Kennedy Stewart, but you can't even get on the phone. You can't even get him on the phone. If, if he knows you're gonna disagree with him, he is like, and it's like, we need more accessible people who are willing to, and I think David Eby did step up after the Cullen Commission and Intel dropped, after the report dropped, and he said, you know what, I'd like to thank the media, because without the media, this commission would not have happened, because of the likes of, of Sam and 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 the like the John and 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 all all of the invest I can't name everybody but all the investigative journalists who were going through the FOI documents Justin McElroy comes yeah. to mind as well going through these documents and really making it like something's wrong and 
making it into a bigger deal. Like that EB referenced that. It's so refreshing to hear politicians like that. And I think Kevin Falcon lays some stuff on the table pretty hard as well. Like when John Horgan was leaving the interview that was done with Kevin Falcon, uh, BC Liberal Party leader now, um, you know, at first, of course, he's very political and wanted to make a statement in case people tuned out in two seconds. And then he went on to say, you know what, John's a good guy. He's given his life to service. Like when there's a human piece to the politicians for this mushy middle person, I like that. I like to see the person I like. And you say, never say you're wrong. But I mean, there are some well, instances like the museum. Never see your story in politics or in business for that matter. It's tough. To, it's, it's, a, it's a sign of weakness for sure. But, it seems but that museum stuff with Horgan. Yeah, as soon as he made that announcement, we're all like, yeah, he's stepping away. <laughs> you don't well, mean a culprit to the degree of that. Go. Way oh, yeah, go. go. Like, romance is over, and he's like, I'm just going to, I got no, no Fs. Like, bye-bye. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to, and of course, you know. Let me just drop there. a little. They're arguing that the healthcare is their problem. You know, the province yeah. has failed at this. But I would say that we saw this this truck coming. This healthcare issue is not surprising. We knew this was coming 20, 30 years ago. We know we the did. aging population. We knew this. And the formula yeah. that they created wasn't good enough. And that's We had hallway medicine 10 years ago. We don't, this is yeah. not new. You this is not new. You can't get a doctor. You can't immigrate here as a doctor for somewhere else without having to start school again. I mean, that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. like all my life that we've heard that. And yet they still haven't fixed it. I mean, it was my grandmother. My grandmother came here after World War II as a doctor of physiotherapy. And she came to BC and was the hostess at the cafeteria at UBC. She was a physician right. in Denmark, fully trained, Denmark. fully, as fully, Denmark got, like, come and on. completely bilingual, right? Spoke perfect English with a beautiful Danish accent. Um, speaking of places not here, let's talk just with our last two minutes here, George, about your trip yes. to Machu Picchu and something else that's not new and is not just pandemic related, losing your luggage. <laughs> no, I, yes. Well, one of the people I was traveling with lost for the entire time. He, was, he flew Air Canada. First, he had a nightmare delays from, he was flying from Toronto, just unbelievable, 12, 14 hour delays, got to Peru, his luggage did not make it. Um, and he kept calling them. Yes, it's on its way. It's on its way. You know, email, all that stuff. Every and we kept moving. We we're moving a lot around Peru, and um, his luggage was never. We, we was like, oh my god! So if you're traveling, buy those air tags from Apple or put a thing in your luggage so you can at least say, oh, I can see where my luggage is now. It's somewhere because they don't. There, these airlines. You look at the, what's going on. It's just chaos. And yeah, I, they don't know. I, so I didn't check bags. I did carry them. But a man and I were coming back from. We were flying back from uh peru to to our stop into mexico city and they made us check our bag as we we're just getting on the flight i'm like no i don't want to check that please please don't take my bag please <laughs> please i thank you and they took our bag and of course we got to mexico city and it was it, it disappeared for we had lucky at six hours delay there like we were there in and it finally showed up so it took oh god hours. two and a half hours on the oh dude at the uh belt watching new luggage come and go and like you could have just, there was so much space in the- in You could have just the, put it up there. I was like, my luggage. Anyways, so this friend finally got his luggage. He's, he's flying home today. He got it two days ago. So he's still down there. Uh, so he finally got some new shirts to wear. We we're all lending him clothes and underwear and socks. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh. I will say uh, that, uh, you know, I, I must say that the, the airports down there were much more organized. Uh, I don't know why, maybe because they have more employees. 
than they are up here from what I, you know, when I came into Vancouver, chaos, 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 you know, my Nexus didn't work. Uh, passport lineups were out up the, uh, everywhere. Luggage was just piled up everywhere. It's crazy. And now they've announced that they're going to bring oh. back the testing, which just delays everything more. And of course, random testing passports and, uh, but there, it's, like, yeah, we got to talk about all that kind of stuff. You know what? We'll, we'll catch up on it. It's still going to be a problem next week. It's still going to be a problem next week, but it's been announced that like in a matter of days, there will be the return of random COVID-19 offsite. So it's not happening in the airport, but you will be directed to go to the offsite to be tested and then you'll be required to test, but you'll also be required to test eight days in and you have an automatic quarantine window. So if you are chosen randomly by number, you will need to quarantine and prove that you are negative after eight days in order to leave your house and if you don't have a place to go to quarantine i don't know what happens then like oh my god it's it's crazy it's crazy on this covid next week but i it's it's the okay hold down can we just move on like seriously i know you and i don't agree and but i'm i'm pretty much done with this covid concept i've had it it's fine everybody i know has had it you know whatever can we just move on with our lives steve thank you i'm more moderate on that i'm i'm looking for my booster uh, but I'm waiting for the call. I'm not yeah. forcing it. I'm listening to science, but I, I, I'm still a unicorn, corn, so I've yet to have it. Um, but <laughs> we don't have time to get into it now. We're three minutes over, George. I missed you. See, I'll see you next week. week. Enjoy the Bye. Bye. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go jump in a lake. <laughs>